you're listening to All the Backlist, a weekly show about books that are not new. I'm your host, Vanessa Villas. This is episode 421.5, airing on July 14th. And today I'm going to tell you about three books that are the first installments in some really, really fun sci-fi and fantasy series. That sounds so generic and vague, but what I mean by fun is very uniquely fun. Fun in a way that was super immersive and escapist for me in the last year when... I think a lot of us, as I feel like I've said a thousand times on this show now, are just having a hard time of it when the world feels like we're constantly the dog in that this is fine meme. And so if you've been looking for a really escapist, engaging, fun reading with fantastic characters and it's like high stakes, just something that really sucks you in immediately, then you're going to want to pick up these books and these series. Before I babble on about those, let's hear from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang. So this is an interesting love story. It's great for fans of Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow and High Fidelity. It's set in the mid-90s at NYU. And it follows young Wang, who has gotten the advice of love through Chinese numerology from his uncle. So he believes that he will have seven great loves in his life. And then he meets Irena in 95. And she's like the best. She's brilliant, charismatic, quick-witted, funny. They fall in love. But the thing is, she's number six. So if he is to have seven great loves, does that mean his time with Irena is going to come to an end? So this is a love letter to Western pop culture, Eastern traditions, and being a first-generation New Yorker. Make sure to check it out. And thanks again to Flatiron Books, publisher of 888 Love and the Divine Burden of Numbers by Abraham Chang for sponsoring this episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Greenleaf Book Group. No summer vacation should be without a great read. And I don't know about you, but I am partial to mysteries and thrillers for my hot month reads. It's hot girl reading summer always over here. And from the award-winning librettist of Legally Blonde, the musical and the screenwriter of Freaky Friday, Heather Hawk, comes the page-turning psychological thriller, The Trouble with Drowning. So when author Eden Hart floats into Tucson's Antigone books and all her dazzling perfection to give a reading, Kat, a struggling writer, can't help but compare herself. Thankfully, Kat's life starts to take on its own Eden-like glow when her literary future takes shape and she falls madly in love with Jacob. As demons from her past begin to surface, Kat's mental health craters and this halcyon dream slips through her fingers. For the fastest paced slow burn you won't be able to put down, be sure to check out The Trouble with Drowning by Heather Hawk on Amazon or your retailer of choice. And thanks again to Greenleaf Book Group for sponsoring this episode. The first book I'm going to tell you about is Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. And I was so excited that the second book, which is called The Shadow Cabinet, came out in June because that officially, officially, officially made this book fair game. And I was very excited that nobody had talked about it on Backlist yet. So here we go. Juno Dawson is a trans author who you may know from other nonfiction books like This Book is Gay and What's the Tea and lots of other books, actually. But this is the first in her HMRC trilogy, HMRC standing for Her Majesty's Royal Coven. And again, two of the books are out now. No, the third is not out yet. 
do not be mad at me. Support these books. It's really important to support series while they're still ongoing, even though I know a lot of us like to wait until they're completed. Like, please make an exception because this book is phenomenal. Both of them are. So at the beginning of the book, we meet four young girls, Helena, Leone, Neve, and Elle, who are all about to be initiated into Her Majesty's Royal Coven. And those letters there are capital because it is an official coven that was established by Queen Elizabeth I back in the day on like the low. And at this point in the book, it's like, yay, we're friends and we're witches and it's going to be great. And then we flash forward several decades later. We learn that the witch community has been torn apart by a civil war that left a lot of tragedy in its wake and that has changed a lot between the four friends. Helena is the only one who is still a part of HMRC. Neve and Elle are out here trying to pass as normies, one as a vet and the other as like the perfect housewife and mom. And we learn that a really, really destructive split occurred that led Leonie to break off and start her own radically inclusive coven called Diaspora. And that split has to do with the fact that HMRC is super mired in conservative ideas about magical purity, especially to do with race and gender. And the reason the gender part maybe sounded ominous and doom-like is because the stakes really get ratcheted up when a young warlock who is trans, who is actually a witch, with next level magical powers is captured. And when I say next level, they are powers that are big, that are destructive, that are um, not able to be controlled, that this like young magic person doesn't like understand how what to do with and what is happening to like their body. They're captured by authorities. And that is a problem both because transphobia and because there happens to be a prophecy about a great evil that will be unleashed upon the world when someone of this kind of magical ability and that kind of ticks off these boxes is found. And so they're like, yep, this is the prophecy that this is the this is the bad person we've been waiting on. And that just maybe is kind of convenient, but also lots, lots to disagree over here among the many people involved. The book just explodes from there. And I'm being vague just not to spoil anything else. But again, it's just like, yeah, from here forward. And then the second book is even wilder. These books are deliciously fun. They are full of witchy magic and high stakes. They are queer. They are feminist. There is so much swearing. I love these books on audio in particular because the swearing is delivered very enthusiastically. The second book is actually narrated by Nicola Coughlin, who you might know from Bridgerton and Dairy Girls. And I cannot remember the name of the first one, but they both do such a phenomenal job. These books are also a really intentional middle finger to not only transphobia and bigotry of all kinds, but to one very bigoted and transphobic author in particular, Cough Cough. <laughs> um, so you're going to definitely pick up on that as you read the books. But like talk about fun and compelling and just like I at the end of both of these books when, <gasps> you know, and again, I super apologize because you're going to end both books on a cliffhanger and only one of those, you know, you could easily move on to because we don't have a third book yet. But again, support this series because it's so good and we want to keep it going. But wait, there's more. Because remember how I said Elizabeth I founded HMRC? Well, you know, Vanessa's History Corner, for those who don't know or just don't remember, but Elizabeth I, you know, famous of most famous British monarchs, is the daughter of Anne Boleyn, who I just am constantly tickled by the fact that for all that Henry VIII did to try to get a male heir, all the like, just, I was about to say a word that I'm not supposed to, but all the, the crappy things that he did, including, you know, beheading several of his wives and divorcing the others. 
It is the daughter of the first wife he beheaded and besmirched one Anne Boleyn, who went on to, you know, not only ascend the throne, but again, make freaking history. And that is important because Juno Dawson is writing a prequel to these books, one called Queen Bee, that takes us back to Tudor times and is about Anne Boleyn, who is like the first witch. The origins of HMRC go back to Anne Boleyn. And in case your head isn't already exploding the way mine is, I also just found out that the makers of The Crown are adapting HMRC for TV. Like, I'm just going to go scream into a pillow now. So much fun. The first two books are out. You've got some time before the third one does. And then, of course, we have this prequel, but there's going to be so much for us to dive into. And I'm so, so excited. So please go read these books. The first of which is Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. The second book in series I want to talk about is Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez, which is the first in the series, Chilling Effect. There are two more books out now. The second is Prime Deceptions, and the last is Fault Tolerance. And I say that with a question mark at the end, because I actually haven't read Fault Tolerance yet and don't know whether it is a series conclusion or not. There might be more books coming, I'm not entirely sure. But you have at least three books that you can go out and read. You're welcome. So today's theme is not just fun SFF, but really also cursing, (laughs) at least for the second book, because wow, is there so much cursing. And I also just want to share that when I went back to pull the notes for this book from other times that I've talked about this book on different podcasts back when, you know, this book was new, that all of my notes at some point say the phrase Cubans and cats in space. Um, And that kind of sums it up for you. (laughs) These books are just fun and rompy space operas. In this first book, we meet Captain Eva Inocente and her crew on board the ship called La Sirena Negra, and they are cruising the galaxy, delivering small cargo for clients and not really making much money at it. They're kind of just scraping by. The ship is full of psychic cats because that, you know, just happens when you're on space missions, (laughs) or it happens when a shady customer ditches you with their bunch of space gatos and no payment, and that is precisely what has happened here. Please go right now, pause go, I'll let you, and go take a look at the covers for these books, because they have said psychic cats on, I think, all of them. Um, Definitely, I'm looking at the one for the last book, and it's just like a bunch of cats tumbling out of a spaceship with the, like, little, you know, glass domes, like, astronaut helmet style over their heads. It's just a treat. So, anyway, go, do that, come back, and I'll tell you about the book. So, when the book opens, Chilling Effect, uh, her sister, Eva's sister, Mari, has been kidnapped by an organization called The Fridge which is a super shady shade syndicate that holds people hostage in cryostasis. Eva agrees to complete a series of really unpleasant and dangerous missions for the fridge in order to pay the ransom to get her sister back. And these missions include stuff like confronting mind control aliens and visiting a cannibal planet. So not a fun time. So her sister's in trouble. She's kind of sort of lying to her crew about the circumstances surrounding their current situation. I will let you discover what those are. This emperor that she rejected once upon a time kind of wants her dead. And she also might be catching feelings for her ship's engineer. So there is a lot going on. Plus, psychic space gatos. So (laughs) all of this, a heist, so much swearing, swearing in Spanish, which is particularly delightful for me. Um, And for anybody, really, you don't have to, you know, speak Spanish to find it great. But the books are, again, so much fun. Like, I love a space opera in general. This with the cats and the swearing and the high stakes just made it 
that much better. I legitimately go, ooh, every time another book in the series has come out because I had so much fun. And in case it isn't evident, one of the reasons why all of these books have really stood out for me is because sometimes series sound great in theory to me, and then I just have a really hard time going back to them because there's so many books to distract me and I read for a living. But like this in particular is, or all three of these anyway, are the kind that I made time for because they were so good and so compelling and so immersive that I was like, no, 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 I need to go back to that world. So please treat yourself to this, you know, space opera with cats. That is Chilling Effect by Valerie Valdez. And the last book and series I want to talk about is A Dead Jin in Cairo by P. Jelly Clark. P. Jelly Clark is the author of so many great books, award-winning sci-fi and speculative fiction, including The Black God's Drums and the novella Ring Shout, which made a huge splash. I wanted to say last year, but it might have actually been the year before because time is such a flat circle at this point. But oh, it's such a phenomenal writer, and I love these books books I'm going to tell you about that are all set in the Dead Jin universe. So this is the first one, A Dead Jin in Cairo, and there is also The Haunting of Tramcar 015, which is another novella like this one is, and then also a full-length novel that was one of my favorite books of 2022, and that is A Master of Jin. So to take us back to, again, this first book in the A Dead Jin in Cairo, we find out that we are in a different version of Cairo. It's an alternative steampunk version in 1912. We find out that decades earlier, a Sudanese mystic and inventor named Al-Shahiz shook the world when he quite literally drilled a hole using a combo of magic and actual machinery to drill a hole in the veil between the magical world and the non-magical world. And I feel like I just said that really convolutedly, but yeah, basically drilled a hole between the veil that separates the mundane from the magic and then kind of poof, disappeared. Spoiler-ish, not really, but makes another appearance in A Master of Jinn. So you're going to read that because a whole other thing happens there. But just to set the scene, that all of that that I just said explains why the world is now magical, because once that veil was drilled through, it made it so that beings like angels and jinn exist alongside humans. And a jinn, for those who don't know, which is spelled D-J-I-N-N in these books, but can also be spelled just J-I-N-N, or you may know them kind of as like genies, they're supernatural spirits from Arabic and Islamic mythology that are said to be, well, lots of things, but I've seen them defined as beings of smokeless fire that can take many human animal or I think even inanimate forms. The versions in these books are great. And the main character of the books is Agent Fatma al-Sha'arawi, who was born into this version of the world where magic exists alongside the mundane. And as a result, well, there's several great things going on here. One, though, this world is not in servitude to European colonial rule. And there is a lot of great commentary in these books about colonialism in general that makes them worth it, like for that alone. <laughs> but also, going back to Fatma, she is a special investigator and the youngest woman, I think in one of few women at all, that works for this really cool ministry called the Ministry of Alchemy, Enchantments, and Supernatural Entities. And that means that she has been assigned a case in this book that starts off as kind of an odd suicide. And then investigating it takes her through the city's underbelly where she encounters ghosts and assassins and clockwork angels. It's just, there's, there's so much going on. Again, it's like steampunky. We've got the jinn. We've got, it's, there's a lot that happens. And the stakes are really high in this particular because we find Fatima going down a plot that could essentially unravel time itself. Fatma is the best character. I love her because she is, I don't think sweary. I don't remember if it's a sweary, but definitely like packs a punch on like the attitude front and the 
just sort of gusto with which she approaches her job, which is particularly stands out here because she really has no desire to conform to this period's expectations for women's role and appearance. She, as a rule, wears these like pinstripe suits all the time, which is a big deal because she's wearing pants <laughs> and just, again, kind of does things the way that she wants to. And is a character that I could not help but root for and that you get to see again in the other books in the series. So that's all I'm going to say here. This book is one of those novellas where you're like, wow, you packed a huge punch into not that many pages. The same is the case for the book that comes next in the series. And then again, you get the full length one in Master of Jin, and all of them are just a rollicking good time. I hope there's more books in this universe. I don't know if there are going to be or not. I can't recall, but I hope so. Because again, as soon as I hear that P.J. Lee Clark has written another book about you know the dead Jin universe, I'm like, yep, that's me. Give it to me now. So please go read this first book. I do think you should read them. You don't have to read them in order. They actually do stand alone pretty well, but it's nice just to get a little bit of that groundwork. If you'd like to do so, then start with A Dead Jin in Cairo by P. Jelly Clark. And that's it. I think I made it without, you know, talking too much, maybe. That's kind of not a thing I'm good at, but you know. You know that already. <laughs> I appreciate you sticking around regardless. Thank you so much to today's sponsor. And thank you to our audio editor, Jen Zink, for all the work that she does to make us sound good on these podcasts. And today I've given her quite the doozy at the end here. <laughs> it's a lot harder to talk for 15 minutes straight than you think. And thank you, of course, to you as the listeners for listening. For more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full offering of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. You can find a list of all the books I mentioned today and all of the rest of the books in the series in the show notes by visiting bookriot.com slash all the books. And remember, if you're a fan of all the books and all the backlist and you want to show us a little love, please consider leaving a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you review podcasts so that other book lovers out there can come find us to talk about, you know, space cats and swearing. If you want to find me, I am mostly on Instagram these days at Buenos Dias SD. Thank you once again for listening. I'll catch you next time. And in the meantime, happy reading. Happy reading.